let's get on with our second talk of the evening. Please give a huge welcome for Joshua Gilliland. Did I get it right? Good evening. My name is Joshua Gilliland, and I'm one of the founding attorneys of The Legal Geeks. We are a blog and podcast. We've been recognized by the American Bar Association Journal five times in a row for having one of the best 100 blogs in the country. Also one of the best legal podcasts. And in 2015, we were nominated for best podcast in the Geeky Awards. But uh, we've also been at San Diego Comic-Con three times. We presented with one of the justices from the California Supreme Court. We've done crazy mock trials like the trial of the Winter Soldier. We did a mock hearing on whether or not the president could order sentinels to hunt mutants. And a competency hearing for Frankenstein's creature. Our presentation tonight, and it'd be great if you guys me on my slides. Find my presentation. So I'm looking forward to Solo coming out next week because like many Gen Xers, I grew up watching Star Wars. I was three when the original came out and was ingrained into my DNA. I was confused as a boy where I saw that double sunset. And I know there are others out there as well. Now, the law is a lot like the force. It flows through us and around us and binds society together because it keeps us from acting like animals. It's necessary. Now, how many lawyers in the audience besides me and maybe one other? Yes, not alone. How many Star Wars fans? Star Wars always brings out people to talk about Star Wars, what we love. Well, Star Wars starts out with a wonderful legal issue right out of the gate. Now let's go to Tatooine and the most Eisley's Cantina, where the bartender Wurr says something right out of the 1950s segregated, evil, let's go sue those bastards statements. We don't serve their kind here. The droids weren't weren't allowed into the bar because they were droids. Now, in our country, that would violate our public accommodations laws, which started coming about in the late civil rights uh, movement, and eventually, because of the 14th Amendment, that's the law of the land. You can't discriminate against people because of their class. And in California, we take it really seriously, and we have a really broad written law on what is public accommodation. And when you look at it, it's a very, very inclusive list. Sex, race, color, religion, ancestry, national origin, disability, medical condition, genetic information, medical status, sexual orientation, citizenship, primary language, or immigration status. Notice it does not say artificial intelligence. <laughs> and that's the problem. And when you, if you've read from a certain point of view, the 40th anniversary book that tells different uh, uh, chapters from a different perspective, different characters. It's the bartender who has the, the big scene. And we find out that as a child during the Clone Wars, his parents were killed by droids. So he hates droids. He would be the worst client imaginable. Because if you say, yes, I hate that class of people, you're done as a defense attorney. <laughs> you 
And it's a wonderful thing if you're a plaintiff's attorney because I'm going to nail him. So we actually took this issue, and at WonderCon at the end of March, we did a mock trial <laughs> with the droids suing the cantina. A federal judge presided over it, and we had a cosplayer from the Rebel Legion as the bartender. Uh, that's an attorney who's a civil rights lawyer, McManus Faulkner. We had a JAG officer, we had an assistant U.S. attorney, and someone at JPL who built her own R2-DT because that's how she rolls. <laughs> when she's not driving the Dawn spacecraft or the Opportunity rover, she built her own R2-DT. And you just gotta admire that because she also cosplays as Ray, and that's just pretty kick-ass. Well, the droids won. It was close because when you think about, hey, you don't come in and eat anything here, that's a little bad. But you're not serving anything they wouldn't have anyway. And that's part of the problem. Now, this mock trial happens and somehow, I don't know if Denny's knew that we did this, but they announced droids are welcome. So I would like to believe that we paved the way for civil rights for droids. And Carrie, my friend at JPL, took her R2-D2 there. <laughs> And they did serve his kind. <laughs> Let's talk about another big issue on Tatooine. Employee safety and job of the Hutt's palace. <laughs> now this should make all plaintiff's lawyers giddy, OSHA inspectors crazy, and defense attorneys should scream in horror because this is bad. So first bad thing, you have a trap door to murder people. So, Ula, the green dancer with the tails on her head, dances, Jabba's upset, and yes, she's held in slavery, so he murders her. Putting aside the murder, the trap door is unsafe. Now, we do have case law dealing with holes and working environments, and there should be a, something guarding over it, but it raises an interesting issue for the Gamorrean guard, who tries to stop Luke from grabbing a blaster, and the guard ends up falling down into the Ranker murder pit as well. So, did you assume the risk of working there? <laughs> yeah, you're working for a guy who's the poster boy for the Me Too, Time's Up movement and a whole bunch of other bad things. But he didn't deserve that. Plus the Ranker, let's talk about having a giant animal that eats people. Under property law, if you know that there's a dangerous animal in your backyard that could eat someone, you could be liable for that. And we actually have cases out of, guess where? Florida and Georgia, because they have alligators in their backyards that go around eating people. Well, the record was imported to Tatooine from another planet to be put into the murder pit and kept in the murder pit because they didn't want him going around just being free range and eating people. So they knew he was dangerous and thus having a trap door that somebody could fall into, into a pit with a eat anything monster, that's just bad. Well, let's, let's take a look at an independent contractor issue with Boba Fett. <laughs> now, there's a new California Supreme Court opinion out dealing with the gig economy that could redefine independent contractors under some circumstances as employees, like Uber, Lyft, those guys. Boba Fett might actually fall into that category because he's spending a lot of time at Java's Palace. But for the sake of argument, let's just say that he is an independent contractor. As an independent contractor on Java's sail barge, 
that's similar to going out like on an oil rig, because we do have cases where we have independent contractors working on oil rigs and they get hurt. Well, what happens? Well, the duty of care that Java would owe to Boba Fett is that of a business invitee. So what does that mean in lawyer speak? Java had a general duty to provide Boba Fett with a reasonably safe work environment or give warnings of danger. Well, they go out to the Sarlacc pit. They know that's dangerous. You fall in there, you can get digested for a thousand years. Not good. They're also gonna do a mass execution and let's put aside the fact they're not a government and they really shouldn't be doing that, but they are anyway. There's issues with that because Java is not an insurer of Boba Fett's safety as an independent contractor. Moreover, this gets into fun issues with the Sarlacc pit because Boba Fett decides to take on a Jedi Knight. As a boy, Boba Fett saw his biological clone dad, Jango Fett, get beheaded by Mace Windu. So he knows Jedi's plate to win. He knew the risk of doing this, of taking on a dude with a lightsaber who's strong in the force. He did that knowing it was dangerous. The fact he got launched into the side of the sail barge was all on him. So Jabba would not be on the hook for Boba Fett landing in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> Let's talk about some war crimes because my God, Star Wars has them. Grand Moff Tarkin, Governor Tarkin, the wonderful Peter Cushnings decides to get information from Princess Leia by threatening to blow up her planet. Now, he could argue that was a military necessity to threaten her and then to blow it up. And if you're thinking like, hey, that sounds hardcore, that's kind of like saying the only way to stop the terrorists is to kill their families. You're right to pump the brakes. That's not okay. So let's take a look at what military necessity means. Military necessities are the measures relevant and proportional to securing the prompt submission of the enemy. What does Tarkin threaten to do? I'm gonna blow up your planet unless you tell me the location of the rebel base. Okay, not proportional. <laughs> That's like using a Titan nuclear missile to either take out an ISIL camp and not care about all the collateral damage from the nuclear weapon. That's what they did to Alderaan by blowing up all of Alderaan. Sure, there might have been a rebel cell down there, and they did have 500,000 people on the Death Star that they could have sent down to find them, but no, the plan was blow up the planet. That, if you're thinking, what, what do we charge him for that? Well, that's easy. War crime. You're not supposed to kill civilians. We don't do that. And so, what do you think happens when you call something the doctrine of fear? Because Tarkin's thing was, if we just scare the hell out of everyone by blowing up planets and just murdering people, they're gonna fall in line. That was his MO. So what do you expect from someone who's that evil? Imagine if somebody ran for government saying things like that. <laughs> now let's take a look at Kylo Ren. And there are some people who are really forgiving of him because he has amazing hair and they need to, again, say that's not a valid defense, dude. So let's talk about Judgment at Jakku, where Kylo Ren does his best William Calliot impression of the My Massacre. He actually says, kill them all to 
civilians who have been captured to Captain Phasma, and what do stormtroopers do? They aim their weapons and they kill all the civilians. It's literally the Eli massacre at the beginning of Force Awakens. And if you're thinking like, God, how'd that end? Well, it ended with Kelly as getting a pardon from Richard Nixon and spending the rest of his life as a jeweler in Georgia, but that's not important right now. <laughs> it's a freaking war crime. <laughs> If people have laid down their arms, if they've surrendered, you're not supposed to kill them. It's one thing if you're fighting them. However, summary executions are not permitted, and that's exactly what the First Order did, and Finn was 100% right to not fire because you cannot defend yourself by saying, I was just following orders to murder people. Want to know why? Because an order has to be legal. You can't say, well, I was ordered to have this guy lie down on his face and then shoot him, therefore I should be acquitted. The answer is, hell no, war crime. And that case from 1954, that's what happened. Guilty. You're not supposed to murder people. War's one thing, summary executions is another. Well, let's talk about the insanity defense because I know a lot of people who are super sympathetic to Anakin Skywalker, again, maybe it's the hair, I don't know, but I have some serious issues with saying like, hey, the dark side could be the insanity defense. Well, let's break this bad boy down. Drug addiction can be a form of the insanity defense if two conditions are met. One, the person, the defendant's ability to distinguish between right and wrong is destroyed because of the drug use. Or, the drug addiction has made him act under a delusional belief. Well, let's, let's think about this. That means we need to understand the difference between free will and addiction. So, is the dark side an addiction? Or is it a lifestyle choice? <laughs> Wearing all black, crimson lightsabers? Well, let's take a look at the abridged crimes of Lord Vader. He murders Tuscan Raiders in Attack of the Clones because he's upset about his mom. And if anyone says to you, I killed all of them, even the women and children, don't reward that conduct with marriage. Padme should have thought about that. He then murders a room full of children to save his secret wife, then installs a dictatorship to save his secret wife. There's a lot more murder on Mustafar. There's spousal abuse on Mustafar. He then dabbles in genocide and lots more murder. <laughs> so did the dark side destroy Anakin Skywalker's ability to distinguish between right or wrong? Or did he act under a delusional compulsion? He chose to do those things. Killing the Tuscan Raiders, you could probably argue temporary insanity because of the stress of his mother, but the fact he says to Padme they're animals, they're just animals, that sounds like pent-up racism. And I'm not one to go with, you're going to get a free pass on that. He killed a hell of a lot of people, including children, and it was all based upon self-want to make sure his wife lived. I don't see any addiction. I just see anger, and that's not a drug addiction. So I don't think that would work for him. Now, let's look at the abridged crimes of Kylo Ren. First off, 
He wakes up and sees Uncle Luke with a lightsaber over him. So what's the rational thing to do in that situation? Assault his uncle and then kill seven people. He then goes and commits desecration of a corpse by digging up his grandfather's skull, provided it didn't become one with the force, but definitely the helmet. So we have desecration of a corpse, and that's creepy. Uh, he ordered the deaths of civilians, workplace bullying, kidnapping and torture, helped destroy the Republic, and technically he was in her circle on that, even though he didn't pull the trigger. Uh, there's a coup d'etat to impress a woman, and people do stupid things all the time for that, but that's a, that's a big one. And the big sin, the sin that bothers me to my core, homicide. For many people, Han Solo is their Patronus. <laughs> and many of us haven't been the same since The Force Awakens. So, did the dark side destroy Ben Solo's ability to strike to know between right and wrong? I don't think so. Did he act under delusional compulsion? No, he's just a jerk. And Leia admits that at the end of The Last Jedi, my son's gone. She doesn't say, he's a dick. But you sense it. And I really wanted to see Leia go all mommy dearest on him, but now that's not going to happen. <sighs> I know. Well, let's take a look at another issue, and that is why Han was right. My crowning achievement as an attorney. So let's look at the original footage. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to see your boss. Tell Java that I've got his money. So, because he had no place else to go, and that didn't need to be changed. It was right the first time. So with that, look at the facts, and always, any questions? 
can follow us on all kinds of social media. You can check out our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and now tune in. We'll be at San Francisco Comic Con with three panels on Star Wars, Kaiju, and classic Universal monsters. And uh, finally, just because Han was right, don't get yourself into a situation where you need to shoot somebody. So avoid that. Don't make those decisions. <laughs> Questions? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, so on the military response slide, there was a line that was relevant and proportionate, and proportionate seems like a subjective phrase. So what is the line for proportionality? So the question is, what is the line for proportionality and military necessity? And the other half of that scale is what's necessary to subdue the enemy. So blowing up an entire planet is overkill. So if the issue is they think there's a rebel cell on Alderaan, it's figure out what you need to go find out on Alderaan, which is an entire planet that has about six billion people on it. So killing all six billion is overkill to get a small number. So, they, so there's not an actual legal definition. Yeah, so the question is, what's the legal definition of proportionate? And the answer is, it depends. Uh, lawyers are really good at that because it's a balancing test. Uh, proportionality is in many parts of the law in which you look at all the facts, and then you're able to make a decision based upon uh, what's proportionate to the, to the facts in that situation. Yes, sir? Um, so related to that question about Alderaan, is the Empire responsible for damages caused to ships that are affected by the asteroid field? So the question is whether or not the Empire is responsible to uh, galactic shipping damage from wreckage from Alderaan impacting shipping lanes. Uh, that would presuppose that the Empire has their equivalent of the Federal Tort Act, and I don't think Palpatine would be one to surrender sovereign immunity, so good luck serving him. Uh, there's, there's, there's a reason why they rebel. And when you have a totalitarian government that just starts executing people just because, I think that's great recruiting for the rebellion. Yes, sir. Uh, going back to your first example of the droids of the cantina, I was wondering because they are property, whether there is a relevant case law from the pre Civil War South of merchants who didn't want to do, uh, uh, didn't want to work with, with slaves. So the question is uh, uncomfortable. Uh, and getting into what, because the droids are property, whether or not you would have standing to sue, and whether or not uh, the owners of the droids should be the ones to sue. And I mean, that's the heart of the Dred Scott decision that Chief, Judges, Chief Justice Roger Taney issued on March 7th, 1857, which guaranteed there would be a civil war. Because in that 200 page abomination, he says, Africans were never intended to be U.S. citizens, therefore they have no rights in court. And in that opinion, also turned the entire United States into a slaveholding country. So there's a reason why we had a war. Uh, now, an argument could be made that Luke would have been the one to have sued because of the droid status as property, but that was the entire point of our mock trial that if you feel and you think and you have emotions and hopes and wants and dreams and you're loyal and you're determined to make a difference and you have a sense of free will, you should be able to go to the courts for help. And that's the entire point of our civil justice system.
but I'm a little defensive about that. So if you check out her blog, I have a post on how to prosecute banners for genocide. And uh, uh, we got some pictures for San Diego Comic Con as well. So I don't want to forget the people on the upper level. Any questions up there? Yes. Uh, in California, is the Jedi mind trick legal? <laughs> so it depends what you're using the Jedi mind trick for, but you know there's always going to be issues of consent. So uh, if you're trying to like get a contract done, being able to do a Jedi mind trick, a Jedi mind trick on somebody could lead to a charge of fraud. And if you're thinking of anything else, reevaluate your life. That's <laughs> Okay, okay, great. I don't want to have to represent you later. That's bad. Hypothetically, I made a bad decision. Anything else? Actually, outside, back to the proportional response part, in the Mech Warrior universe, the plan is something called the Cut Down. Are you familiar with it? I heard one podcast on it once, so not enough to be helpful. It might be useful for other stuff later, so the cut down is the bare minimum of uh, military response to get your objective. And so that can be considered as a... Like what? So it's, it's a, what's the name of the... the Mech, Mech Warrior? Mech Warrior series. Uh, there's a thing called the cut down. Which the is, cut down. And it's a term they use when they, they judge how much, like, how many mechs they need to throw at a battle. Is it a commissary so being able to use probably overwhelming force to accomplish a military no, bare minimum. Bare minimum to accomplish yeah. a military objective. Uh, that's interesting. So so bringing in my poli sci knowledge from Davis, <laughs> one of the responses to the Vietnam War that we had with our generals in the 90s into the early 2000s was use overwhelming force to achieve our objectives because we kept putting band-aids on the situation in Vietnam, never going all the way to achieve the objective, which was why we were in a quagmire. So the anti-quagmire view is play to win and hit them hard, but not too hard that we go out and like slaughter families and take out on the city. So it's the right amount of force. Yes, sir, hand up. So would the clones be considered a single person or multiple people? All of the clones, if you watch the Clone Wars, have distinct personalities, hopes, and dreams. They are all individuals that will fight for clone rights, especially if you watch the four-part arc that starts with conspiracy and the ultimate uh, uh, death of fives. That's absolutely brilliant and gets into slavery, clone rights, and it's a show for seven-year-olds that talks that hits major legal issues. Flyers in the back, thank you all. Don't stay with everyone.